0: Well, we found out some news this week, today actually, that really isn't that surprising. There was an exclusive Global News Ipsos poll that shows that 63% of Canadian non-home owners have given up on ever owning a home. In fact, the highest numbers are in BC, that's not surprising, 74%, Quebec 72%, Ontario 62%. But really, I mean, those are alarming stats. To think that a whole swath of your population, 63% who don't own a home, think they never will so we wanted to find out more about this who better to ask than paul kershaw he's a professor at the university of british columbia's school of population and public health he's also the founder of generation squeeze that looks into these issues about generations specifically younger canadians who feel like the property ladder has been rolled up and they will never get on the first rung paul kershaw thank you so much for your time tonight
1: it's my pleasure
0: i suppose uh surveys like this, or at least the results of surveys like this that show such an incredible amount of, let's call it despondency amongst non-homeowners, shouldn't be surprising. But somehow, every time I see stats like you know, eight out of 10 Canadians who don't own a home
1: don't think they ever will, it's jarring. I find it jarring. Well, I'm glad you do find it jarring because I think it is one of the kinds of stats that really does point to a serious deterioration of the standard of living in this country for a younger demographic. And I emphasize that pace, or I should also add for a newcomer of any age, but I I want to insist tonight that people recognize that this hardship that we're imposing in particular on a younger demographic, seeing their hard work, not pay off, not, not feel like it could actually get them into secure housing, maybe even as an owner that's happening because the other side of the for sale sign and relentless increases in home prices is rising wealth for homeowners like me. So I live in the burbs of Metro Vancouver and Pitt Meadows. And last year, I was told that my home went up by half a million dollars while I slept. Or while yeah. I watch TV. Yeah. Or you know, and 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 I just want to say, like, I work hard as a professor. I want to be remunerated well for that. I've been a prof for 17 years at UBC. I'm lucky. I have a defined contribution pension. I pay into it, my employer does. And over the last 17 years, I've barely accumulated in my pension half a million dollars. But last year alone, while I slept, my home gave that to me. We can't. Only talk about how we are harming younger people right now who can't get into the housing market if we don't have the harder conversation with a range of existing homeowners about what's hurting younger folks is often because we're tolerating it benefiting us. And that's the tension that I want to raise with people more and more.
0: I should point out that it's 63 percent across the country, but as high as 74 percent in BC, 72 percent in Quebec, where people who don't own homes think they won't. You know, I lived in London for a while, and we used to laugh because there were always—and this is you know eight, seven, eight, ten years ago—there were always articles about how if you lived in London and you owned property, your house made more money than you did, and that was true for most people. And then one day, I came back to this country, and it was true here too. um, You've called this a cultural problem as much as anything else. How does one solve a cultural problem like this one?
1: Well, I didn't ease into it in our conversation already, man. That was the wrong. way. But I, I went right at it right directly. You did. I, I feel like, you know, you could ask me, I'm a policy professor, so you could ask me, what do I think about the foreign buyer's moratorium? Or what do I think about rent-to-own schemes or accelerator funds or, or you know, firing local city gatekeepers so we build more? So I could talk to you about all of those things. But at the end of the day, we don't have any political party provincially or federally that is politically courageous enough to say, you know what, we don't want home prices to rise anymore and we don't want them to rise for years so that earnings have a chance to catch up. And if we don't have that clarity of purpose in our world of politics, we have nothing because we will have a range of policies that some work towards that goal, some don't. And Then you might say, oh, well, then it's the problem of politicians. And I want to push back on that. I want to say politicians are responding to where the cultural mood is in Canada. We haven't created a citizen's political cover for our politicians to be brave enough to respond to the insanity of our housing system. Because you you only think the housing system is insane if it's designed to produce affordability for people trying to make homes. It's clearly not doing that. But really, we should recognize that the housing system is ultimately producing a great deal of wealth for homeowners. It seems like that's its purpose. And we need to disrupt that. We need to say, no, that's not what we want as the purpose for our housing system. And it's not just the mean-spirited developer who doesn't care about the community or the NIMBY who doesn't want rental and doesn't care about the community or the money launcher or the foreign buyer. It's actually a range of everyday Canadians who have become culturally addicted to the idea that we can count on high and rising home prices as we bank for our future savings and retirement. And it's been
0: pointed out. I know Pierre Apoliev was was targeted by this, perhaps unfairly, because he's certainly not alone uh, in owning rental. So those who already have, not only do they already have a roof over their heads, they can also afford to invest, to buy other properties and then rent them out. So it becomes this incredibly, this circle of, 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 of the wealthy just getting wealthier to some extent. Uh, And and you can't blame people for doing it. I mean, it makes sense within the way the, the system works. But I guess what you're saying is that the system isn't working. That's the
1: problem. Well, the system is working if giving good wealth returns to existing owners is the goal. The system is working terribly if the goal is for housing to be affordable places to call home. And, and we shouldn't pick on Pierre poliev on this sure. issue because, yeah. because he's also an, an owner of a rental property. We know that that's the case also for, I think it's a third of the federal government cabinet right now. And for what it's worth, I believe it's one in six Canadian uh, homeowners own multiple properties. We have, again, this is the cultural reality. We have made it such that people treat housing not just as their place to call home, but often as a relatively tax-sheltered way to get rich. And um, that's especially in terms of principal residences. So I have been someone who has said, hey, I'm not I'm not brave enough to say we should get rid of the capital gains exemption on principal residences entirely. But I do think that the 10% or so of Canadians living in the most valuable principal residences, myself included, could be uh, expected to contribute slightly more in taxation each year here in order to show allegiance to the Canadian dream that a good home should be in reach for what hard work can earn. And right now, we have broken allegiance with that dream, which is why you get the despondency amongst so many people who are currently not in the housing system as owners.
0: We often hear arguments about high interest rates. I understand, of course, in the 80s that interest rates were high. I remember when uh, my, my mom bought her first home back in the 80s and interest rates were high. Uh, but you came up, you have a very interesting stat about just how long it takes the average worker now to save up for a down payment compared to the 1970s. So it, is, it is a very revealing number.
1: Yeah, so I tend to go back to the mid-1970s because that's when um, you know, the, ma- ma- the majority of baby boomers were starting out as young adults. It's also when my mom was starting out in the housing market. And uh, we know back then that it took a typical young person five years of full-time work to save a 20% down payment on an average-priced home. And an average-priced home back then was more often a home with a yard. But if you flash forward to today and you think about the same typical young adult, 25 to 34 year old, across the country, they would need to work. 17 years to save that 20% down payment on an average priced home. And the average priced home now is more often a condo with a balcony Uh, in Ontario, and BC it's 22 years in Metro Vancouver and the GTA. It is a whopping 27 years. So just think about what that reveals about how much hard work now doesn't pay off by comparison with the past in terms of our ability to save for what is our major cost of living. That goes back to that observation. I mean, earlier, that we have a serious deterioration in the standard of living for younger Canadians. The middle class is being hollowed out. We often only talk about it being hollowed out in one way. It's getting worse for some people. It's getting worse for younger people, newcomers of any age, because there's a mismatch between what we can earn for full-time work and our major cost of living. But it's hollowing out also for an older demographic, because when they got into the housing market some decades ago, the wealth that housing has created for them pushes them closer and closer into what we should describe as affluent. Indeed, you you don't need much more than a million bucks in wealth to be in the global 1%. Housing has done that regularly uh, for many people in cities across this country, not just in Vancouver and Toronto. Go look in Hamilton and Kelowna and a range of places in Halifax. I'm speaking with
0: Paul Kershaw, a professor in the University of British Columbia's School of Population and Public Health, founder of Generation Squeeze. We're talking about a survey out today, a global news Ipsos survey that shows 63% of non-homeowners in this country have quote given up on ever owning a home. When we come back, uh, a little bit more just about how do you get how do you get people to vote against their interests if they own homes? Um how do you convince them that this is a good idea, that the inequity is not going to work in the long run? Uh, And what has the government done of late, at least in the federal budget, to try to address some of these issues? Will it work? Uh, That's after I'm speaking with Paul Kershaw, professor in the University of British Columbia School of Population and Public Health, founder of Generation Squeeze. We're talking about a new Global News Ipsos survey today, perhaps not surprisingly, that shows 63% of non-homeowners in this country have, quote, given up on ever owning a home. The highest number is not surprisingly again, 74% in BC, 62% in Ontario, 72% though in Quebec as well, where of course housing prices have gone up a lot of late. Uh, Paul, how do you convince, because it's sort of the dirty secret if you do own a home um, and you're looking at property values and thinking, maybe I want a bigger home. So I'm hoping the value of this house continues to rise so I can take another step up that property ladder. How do you convince people that rolling the property ladder back out so that people can actually get back on it is probably best in the long run for
1: all of us? It's a really great question. We've been exploring this more and more on on the Gen Squeeze podcast called Hard Truths. And when we talk about it more and more, we actually return to this theme that's really lovely, love. At the intergenerational table, when you next have families meeting for whatever holiday people celebrate, you're going to have an older demographic- That will love the kids and grandchildren around the table. And so there are generational tensions in our housing system, as there are class tensions and racial and sex tensions when we think about a range of systemic issues. But the beautiful thing about trying to fix our broken intergenerational system is that we can start from a place of love because we know that grandmothers and grandfathers want the best by their kids and grandchildren. And so we need that demographic to join forces with a younger demographic to say, you know what? No more. No more will we have housing be, more than, you know. first and foremost, a place to call home. If someone takes a mortgage out and they want to pay their mortgage off and that's how they're going to build equity, well, that's like treating your mortgage as a piggy bank and that's a great saving strategy. But if you're counting on homes, your homes to go up by 50, 60, 70, 100, 200%, we just can't want that anymore if you love the younger people in your lives and you want housing to be in reach for people who follow in our footsteps. And at the same time, this is such a hard message for the younger demographic that often Jen squeezes speaking up for. We need younger Canadians to really be part of the solution and say, we know how hard it is to try and break into this housing market. And so once people do, and they borrow obscenely large sums of money that probably make them really frightened with the amount of debt that they're getting on, and they're like, if only now my equity will go up. so My debt to uh, equity level doesn't look so bad, but we've got to say, no, 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 please don't want that. Polling suggests you do, but you can't. You know how hard it is to break into the system. You've got to be part of the solution now so that it doesn't get worse for those who follow in your footsteps. And that's a particularly hard message to sell. So I'd like to start with the love of grandparents. That I think we can get grandparents on more.
0: People who own homes are much more optimistic about the future. And also, more than two-thirds of Canadians now think that Owning a home is only for the rich. And I thought that was a really, I mean, there's a lot of that, a lot of loaded in that question, but that's a really interesting perception because it, it sort of defeats the whole idea of what homeownership was supposed to be about in this country.
1: The generational dynamics around housing are really transforming class dynamics in Canada, especially in some of the bigger cities around the country. Because, you know, back in the day, you had the working class bus driver nurse get into housing uh, and that was, you know, the, that was typically in reach for hard full-time work. But, you know, a working-class person could do that. Now that that working-class person who bought several decades ago has millions in equity in a lot of our cities, they're no longer the, that working-class person. They may think of themselves that way, but they now are actually very affluent. And the young lawyer who makes six figures starting out as they're trying to become partners somewhere, but in, you know, some of our bigger urban areas can't afford to rent a place with more than two bedrooms. So I do think that we are transforming class dynamics because we have lost control of home prices. And this is another one of the hard truths that we need to be talking about. Those who had the lottery of timing by being adults a few decades ago that has generated an opportunity for wealth accumulation and easy money while we sleep, watch TV and clean our dishes. I'm included in this. I'm sort of, I'm 47. Um, you know, that is making me more affluent and then making others who by their income, you think might be affluent with a lesser standard of living.
0: Politicians are acutely aware of this. I know. Um, are there are there do you see answers out there? Do you see and what should be we be leery of when it comes to the promises made? Because the bigger problem it is, obviously the more promises we're gonna hear, the more simple solutions we're gonna be asked and to
1: perhaps swallow. This comes back to a comment we made before the break around the level of political bravery we have at this moment. And it's clear, like I take some pride in the Gen squeeze and other groups have really got housing on the Political radar. We even now have, uh, you know, Pierre Pauliev running for the conservative leadership. We have our deputy prime minister. They're all talking about the intergenerational injustices of what we see. That's Gen Squeeze One Hundred One discourse. So, like, we're having influence. I'm pleased about that. But what we haven't yet done is help those politicians have the harder conversation, they'll go look at the easy villains, the money launderer, the foreign buyer, the speculator, the nimby, the quote-unquote local government gatekeeper. And they go after those targets because it never asks voters to think about how might we be implicated. But systems sustain themselves over time, including our housing system and what I like to call this dysfunctional intergenerational system. They sustain themselves over time because a majority of actors in the system make choices that reinforce feedback loops that sustain it over time. And so we have in Canada people hoping home prices will rise you tend to actually get incentivized to do that the moment you become a homeowner. And that's the cultural piece that we so need to disrupt. And we, we desperately need to make it politically safe for politicians to say that can't be our cultural attitude any longer. That is actually the heart, the root cause of the problem. And so before I want to go punish politicians for not being brave enough, I think we get the politics we often deserve. And I want to ask of Canadians, those listening here tonight, how can we voice the following idea? To restore affordability for all, we minimally need home prices to stall so that earnings can catch up. And in some recent polling we did, we found that 70% of Canadians support that idea. That is a lot of political cover for politicians to act bravely. We need to make sure that we're showing that political cover exists. And then, and I believe only then, will we truly start to address what is dysfunctional about our housing system. Paul Kershaw, as always, thank you so much for your time tonight. My pleasure. Have a great evening.